I have a picture on the screen of a guy, his name is Kenneth Hart and his beautiful family. Uh, do you guys see this on the screen there? He's the lead and founding pastor of a church plant uh, in Harlem, a church plant just like us, a new, like a new church start. The name of the church is The Gathering. Uh, the church is only a few years old, just like us, but doing amazing stuff in Harlem. I'm talking about leading people to Christ like crazy, you know, of course, before the whole shutdown. They were growing like crazy. They were baptizing people left and right. Man, God was blessing the mess out of this place, out of his leadership, Kenneth Hart. Well, I wanted to share with you guys something that he publicly posted up. He put this up on Facebook and, and Instagram. He posted this up. Uh, publicly, all right, so don't say Danny's gossiping. I'm not gossiping. He put this out there for everybody to read for a reason. I want to share it with you guys in just a second. Uh, but basically what he said that him, his wife, and his, uh, his beautiful kids there, they're going to all go on sabbatical for the month of December. Now, if you don't know what a sabbatical is, basically it means that they're going to leave their role as pastors and they're going to enter a season of rest for the month of December. It doesn't mean they're leaving the church. It just, a sabbatical means they're basically taking a break. Uh, think about it like a long vacation, just so that they can rest and so they can recenter and refocus and recalibrate their thoughts and pray and, and, and then care for their family as a, as a pastoral family. Uh, so he says, I didn't put this up there, but he said basically uh, that December is a busy month for churches and people have been asking him, why are you taking a sabbatical in the month of December? It's Christmas time. You know, churches are usually pretty busy. Uh, so I wanted to read this to you because I think he shared a sentiment that I believe many pastors and ministry leaders have been feeling. All right, so I'm going to read this again. He publicly posted this out there. You can check it out for yourself. He said, 2020 has been the hardest year I've ever led through. Not only because we lived through the worst pandemic of our lifetimes, but also because in chaotic seas, ships wreck. In 2020, We've had a disease disrupt every semblance of normal we've ever had with a suddenness that has left us all shaken. We've seen racist systems continue to target black life, even in the middle of a global shutdown. We've lost too many too soon, including Kobe, Gigi, and Chadwick. And check this out. And many pastors such as myself struggled to keep their own sanity as well as trying to keep everyone else from sinking. That's why my family and I are resting the entire month of December. We're resting because God used this year to wrestle away any illusions of control we thought we had. He's used this year to teach me and Nika Hart, that's his wife, that it's not by my might nor by my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he's used this year to teach us that the oil he anoints our head <clears throat> with must always be preceded by a crushing. It's the crushing of an olive that produces the overflow of the oil. And God has used 2020 to crush me, my wife, my children, and his church. Not to punish us, but to prune us. It's pretty profound, huh? Uh, this is just a snippet of what he put up. He put up about four or five paragraphs. Uh, we're in a series going through Galatians chapter 6, where the author of Galatians, his name is Paul, has been helping us see how as followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit in us not only radically changes us from the inside out, is what we've mentioned, but he even impacts our relationships, how we relate to one another. 
In the first few verses, Paul challenged us to carry one another's burdens. You guys remember that? The Greek word translated burden was a word that meant a weight that is unbearable for one person to carry alone. And so we spoke about restoration and we mentioned that God is a God of restoration and that God is in the business of restoration. And so as children of God and as followers of Jesus, we should be about the family business. And we should also be about restoration. Last week, we spoke about taking a long look in the mirror. And Paul challenged us not to compare ourselves to others and to do away with pride, which is the number one obstacle that keeps us from walking the road of restoration with other followers of Christ. Now, as we continue studying through Galatians chapter 6, there's this verse that I just read, verse 6, that just floats in there. And uh, in, in fact, in some Bible translations, depending what Bible translation you read from, you can, you can fact check me, you can check this out for yourself. Some people group verse 6 with verses 1 through 5, some Bible translations. Some Bible translations group verse 6 with verses 7 through 10. And then other Bible translations just let it float by itself and just put 1 through 5 and 7 through 10 and just let verse 6 float by itself because they don't know what to do with this Bible verse and they don't quite understand how it connects sometimes. But I think that as I was studying, I was doing some research, I think that the context with the rest of what Galatians 5 and 6 are saying, it makes a little bit more sense. Remember that we're learning to carry one another's burdens. And by doing that, we fulfill the law of Christ. You guys remember what the law of Christ was? The law of Christ is love. That's what the law of Christ is. And Jesus said, by this they will know that you are my disciples, by how you love one another. And do you know who is someone who sometimes gets left out of the equation? Sometimes the very ones that are teaching the text that says carry one another's burdens get left out. Because you see, the big idea for today, it's on the screen, pastors have burdens too. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, right, Danny, no way, that can't be. Pastors don't have burdens. Pastors and pastors don't have cares. Yes, they do. Look at verse 6 again. Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Martin Luther, uh, he's a theologian, and he's the guy that began the Protestant Reformation, he was talking about this passage when he said this. I have the quote on the screen. Look at what he said. These passages are all meant to benefit us ministers. I must say, I do not find much pleasure explaining these verses. I'm made to appear as if I'm speaking for my own benefit. <laughs> In other words, Luther, trying to explain this verse, he felt awkward trying to explain and exposit this verse because... Uh, because sometimes what you think might be quite obvious for some isn't always common sense, you know, for everybody. And I think what Paul is communicating to us here is that included in the churches or other followers of Jesus, responsibilities is not to forget the one that teaches you the word or your pastor and also help them carry their burdens because pastors have burdens too. And that's why I brought up what Pastor Kenneth put out on, uh, on IG and on Facebook. Because that's the same sentiment that many pastors and church leaders and ministry leaders and, uh, and people that serve at the church are feeling right now. Because pastors are not superhuman. We're not, they're not super hyper spiritual people that somehow in their closeness to God are able to surpass life's troubles. 
as if somehow pastors have wings under their clothes and, you know, before we come to church, we take off our halos and fold it and put it in our pockets so we don't want to shame you guys, you know? We, we don't want to make, you know, ourselves look too good. And, and then we just float above our problems like clouds. That's just not the case. Pastors have burdens too. Ministry leaders have burdens too. And Paul says that they need help carrying burdens as well. What kind of burdens? That's the question that we kind of bring up. There's a whole bunch. I got three for you guys to look at. Number one, pastors have physical burdens. Pastors have physical burdens. In other words, pastor and his family has to eat. They need a bed to sleep on. They have bills to pay. There are financial burdens that a pastor has. And Paul makes the argument, by the way, not only here, but in several other passages in the New Testament, that it's the church's responsibility to carry. Uh, guys, as I, as I was doing research for this, of course, trying to get an angle, trying to get another way to look at this, every single biblical scholar, commentator, and theologian draws this conclusion from this verse. No one disagrees that this is the case for the interpretation of this verse here. Nobody disagrees. But unfortunately for us, and for the global church at large, pastors and ministry leaders have abused verses like this. And they've used it to justify private jets and living in mansions or driving a Bugatti. By the way, let me just take a moment. I want to apologize if you're here and on behalf of all the charlatans who have abused their platform to take advantage of Christ church for their own gain. I'm sorry that you've seen that, experienced that in some way. I know for so many that this sort of corruption has left a bad taste in their mouth and a lot of people have left the church, a lot of people have left Christianity because of pastors that abuse their authority. But Paul isn't saying here that pastors should live a luxurious lifestyle, that they get featured on the cover of Esquire magazine, but he's saying pastors have burdens too. And God's design for the church and ministry is for a pastor to dedicate his life first in service to the Lord and then to God's people through the preaching and teaching of the gospel. I want you guys to look at how Paul addressed the church in Philippi. He wrote another letter to another church in the region of Philippi. And this was a community of people where he introduced and planted the gospel to them. He pastored them. Essentially, he was their founding pastor. Look at what he wrote, Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 to 17. Check this out. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones that gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled from Macedonia. And he wrote this, check this out. No other church did this. Paul planted many churches. He started many churches. He was the founding pastor. But apparently, as he's writing to this church, they supported him financially. They supported him. Verse 16 says, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. And then he says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. He's like, I'm not trying to abuse you guys. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for a kindness. Isn't that interesting? And if you continue to read uh, almost this entire chapter of Philippians chapter 4, it's just Paul expressing his gratitude to the church in, uh, in Philippi because they understood that their pastor had physical burdens and, and they met the need through their generous giving. So let the one who is taught the word share all good things with this teacher. How can the church help carry the physical burdens of their pastor or ministry leaders, uh, you know, as far as their physical burdens? How can they do that? Here's number two. Pastors have spiritual burdens. 
Now, pastors do not have a special magnet that draws the Holy Spirit closer to us than everyone else. That's not true. We don't only wear Christian t-shirts and drink from Christian coffee mugs and go to Christian concerts and only watch Christian movies. In fact, I have a a confession to make. I don't like Christian chicken. I'm not a big fan of Chick-fil-A. I prefer Popeye's. But pastors at times struggle to draw close to God through prayer, just like you. Pastors struggle to hear from God, just like you. Pastors struggle to understand everything in the Bible, just like you do. Pastors have doubts, just like you. Pastors have fears, just like you. Pastors have concerns and questions, just like everybody in this room does. In fact, sometimes the spiritual burden of a pastor or a ministry leader is multiplied by the weight of the spiritual burden that he carries for his congregation. Sometimes pastors, we, this is what keeps us up at night. We think to ourselves, why don't they simply see the importance of gathering with other followers of Jesus to seek the encouragement and the strength? Why they don't get it? Why they don't see it? Why aren't they able to grasp the importance of studying God's word and spending time in, in prayer and, and, and creating rhythms of rest? Why can't they get it? Why can't they see that it is more blessed to give than to receive and that the money and the resources that we have are a gift from God to be stewarded for the glory of God and invested into the mission of God, not for us to hold on to so stingily? Why they don't get it? That's what keeps up pastors at night. The spiritual burdens are multiplied. And it can be easy to dismiss the fact that pastors carry the same spiritual burdens that you struggle with. Pastors still have to battle sinful urges and desires that creep up to knock them off course and and their walk with Christ. The struggle to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and to put God first and to make their walk with Christ a priority in in their lives, they still struggle to do that. In fact, I want you guys to look at a time where even the great Apostle Paul struggled. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 9, check it out. He said this, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Uh, now, scholars and commentators have been trying to figure out what, what that means, that thorn in the flesh. And nobody quite understands but what many scholars have come to the conclusion that perhaps it could have been some sort of uh, infirmity, some sort of sickness, uh, maybe more than likely a, a sin that he was struggling with or a, a temptation that kept creeping up in his life. There was, there was something, look how he describes it, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself, this thorn in the flesh, this thing that he was struggling with. Verse 8 says, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. In other words, he's like, I beg God, take this away from me. Take away this temptation. Take away this pain. Take away this heartache. Take away this whatever. He's, he begged God three times. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. You see, guys, Paul struggled with something that was affecting him spiritually to the point where he begged God to remove it. And you all know the feeling because I'm sure you've had to deal with it as well. Or maybe you're dealing with it right now just the same. Pastors have spiritual burdens too. 
And the church, the local expression of the body of Christ, is called to help carry the pastor's spiritual burdens. So let the one who's taught the word share all good things with his teacher. How can the church help carry the spiritual burdens of the pastor? Here's number three. Pastors have emotional burdens. Uh, I wanted to read to you guys a couple headlines from some recent blog posts uh, on some Christian leadership websites. These are websites that Christian leaders and ministry leaders and pastors and, and, and church staff, they usually turn to these websites for like advice or insight to learn, to grow. Look at these. I have it on the screen. These are some, of the, some headlines. So you want to quit, dot, dot, dot. Six reasons your pastor is about to quit. Don't be caught off guard by depression. These are, these are ministry websites. And then my, uh, my personal favorite one, pastors, here's why everyone is so mad at you right now. These are all recent blog posts and leadership articles, the titles of them, that are there. The truth of the matter is that the toll that we have all experienced due to the pandemic, due to the rise in cases, uh, the social unrest in the face of social injustice, the racial injustices that we see, and on top of all that, a political climate <laughs> that is quite, uh, quite hot, that same emotional exhaustion is felt by pastors too. Because on top of all that, pastors feel the weight of having to be the face of encouragement and the source of hope when the rest of the world is falling apart. And so pastors have to put on a smile and have to be the source of encouragement for everybody else. But pastors feel the pressure of having to provide spiritual direction and clarity, the clarity needed when the road ahead seems foggy and rocky. Plus, having to deal with all these issues while still leading a family amidst an unprecedented time, a moment in history that we're all living in. And it's done a number on pastors emotionally. Because I don't know if you know this, but pastors struggle with anxiety. Ministry leaders struggle with fear, with worry, with sadness. They struggle with disappointment and depression, frustration, anger, and every other negative emotion that you can think of. Pastors also need a shoulder to cry on. Pastors also need ears to listen to their problems. Pastors and ministry leaders and church staff uh, also need arms to hug and to hold and to embrace them and words of encouragement and hands to lift them up when they feel down. So let the one who has taught the word share all good things with this teacher. How can the church help carry the emotional burdens of the pastor, the ministry leaders, staff, Guys, uh, I really struggled preparing this message for obvious reasons, I think, because I didn't want it to sound selfish or self-serving, but it's in the text. And as followers of Jesus, we're firm believers that this is the Word of God. And this text isn't there by mistake. This is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. And so I know what you're thinking. Maybe you're thinking, okay, but why? Why should we share all good things? Well, here's the root of it. Here's the good news that we have today. Number four, 
because God shares all good things with us. I want to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Uh, you guys can see it there in your notes or on the screen. Jesus, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. You see, God, when looking down at the deplorable state of his creation, did not leave us to our own demise. Instead, he gave of himself the person and work of Jesus Christ. And God wasn't stingy. He didn't give a part of himself, but he gave himself entirely, wholly, to the point of dying on a cross so that we might reconcile, so that he might reconcile his creation to himself and restore our relationship to God. And get this, God understands your burdens. Jesus humbled himself, God in human flesh, and he took on the physical burdens. Jesus, God in human flesh, took on our spiritual burdens. And he took the emotional burdens that we all experience. And he bore them all. And upon the cross, he nailed our trespass and sin. And on the third day, he rose so that we can have forgiveness of sin and new life. To experience this, all you need to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. I want to invite the worship team to come up here and they're going to lead us in one more song. And uh, in a moment, you'll have an opportunity to participate in an act of worship through the partaking in communion. And uh, communion reminds us of the work of Jesus on the cross. And in remembering, we're invited to reflect and to repent. And then we can rejoice in the fact that one day, because of Jesus, all of our physical burdens, all of our emotional burdens, all of our spiritual burdens will be lifted as we have the promise of eternity, living redeemed, forgiven, and loved in the presence of our Heavenly Father for all eternity. Carry one another's burdens, and in so doing, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If, uh, if you have any questions or comments about uh, today's message or, 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 or whatever, you know, you're invited to, we, we can have a conversation about it. And I love to try to explain and answer any type of questions that perhaps you might have after service. Uh, you let me know and I'd be glad to have a conversation with you. I know this wasn't quite the same, you know, type of message, but it's in the text and we deal with the text. We talk about the text and we let the text make our form our opinions and decisions because we're followers of Jesus and uh, we're Bible people. We follow God's word. Uh, so let's pray. Let's, let's conclude our message today with prayer. And then uh, after this prayer, at your own leisure, uh, at any time, go ahead and grab a communion cup in the back and, uh, and you can take it back to your seat, say a word of prayer, uh, reflect, repent, rejoice in the work that is accomplished on your behalf because of Jesus. God, we all have burdens, God. 
all of us, that includes me, we're all dealing with different types of burdens, some physical, some emotional, some spiritual, uh, or even some burdens that we didn't even talk about today. We all sense. Um, but I pray, God, that, that here we might carry one another's burdens the best way that we can and as your Holy Spirit would empower us to. I thank you, God, that uh, you shared all good things with us. That you didn't hold anything back. You gave us the best of yourself in Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray that you would help us in turn to share all good things with one another, um, with our community, with those that you would put in our circles of influence so that people might see Jesus in us and that we might point people to the Son. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.